You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Clemson Nation, and welcome into the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Happy Thursday. It is New Year's Eve and only one more sleep before the Sugar Bowl. It's Clemson versus Ohio State. We're going to talk about that in this episode. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Follow me on Twitter at E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversation. Would love to have it there with you. Please be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Clemson podcast and rate and review if you will do that for us. It will help us out more than you know. First up, we're going to be talking about the mailbag. I'm going to be digging into the mailbag, answering some questions from Twitter for you guys that you have asked. In the second segment and third segment of the show, we're going to be giving you my final thoughts on the game and prediction of what I think will happen in this game. We had some big news come up yesterday uh, around, I guess, 3 o'clock about our offensive coordinator who will not be at the game. So we'll definitely get into that. Again, stick around with us. Big show coming up. Let's go. All right, first up is a question slash statement, I guess you could say, from my good friend over on Twitter, Gray Thompson, at Color of Gray. He says, the Venable play-stealing thing, I just don't know why this is a surprise, but you just have to outcoach it. Notre Dame did the first time and got lucky by enforcing on-field huddles and a fast break. That's good coaching. My question is, why wouldn't Day do that instead? Good question. Ryan Day talked about this last season in the Fiesta Bowl. They knew what's going to happen. Everyone, it's widely known that Brent Venables is pretty good at stealing signs. Teams have been able to mitigate that. And Brent Venables' defense anyway, uh, trying to get them out of their base defense by just going tempo uh, or coming out in different formations and doing things variable ways. Uh, It's not always, hey, let's huddle for a little bit and go back to the line of scrimmage. If you do that, he's going to make it obvious. Brent Venables is one of the best in the game. My question would be, why isn't an issue when you've already done and been through this before? Other schools do this. This is not new. It's not like Brent Venables is the only defensive coordinator that steals signs. My opinion, worry about your own game plan. You've got enough going on right now. You've got things that you got to work on. That interior O-line, again, I'm talking about this. They're not that good. Justin Fields holding on to the ball a little too long, making errant throws. Only really throwing it to two receivers and sometimes getting one-dimensional, uh, you've got those things to worry about. Don't worry about sign stealing. Like Dabo Sweeney says, he always says this, and I, I'm very big proponent of it. I've seen it in action, been a part of it before. It's not about the plays. It's about the players. Your players have to play well. It doesn't even matter if Brent Venables knows the play. If you just beat him in the play, that's all that matters. Who cares what happens when they steal the play. Now, this is why you've seen other schools and even Clemson go to the card format. They're using people out there with multiple hats. You normally see three players or two players and a coach out there calling the same plays. They all look like they're talking to different people, but a lot of the different times, one guy is giving you one part of the formation. One guy is giving you the personnel. The other guy is giving you the snap count. So it's one of those deals where If Brent Venables has seen it on tape, that's your fault. You didn't game plan that. You did not come out and adjust your tendencies. I don't think this is an issue. I think Ohio State overcame it last year. They can overcome it this year. It's just another talking point for ESPN. Uh, Good question, Gray. Next up, we have a question from Corey from Calgary, Alberta. That's awesome. Uh, Kudos to you from Calgary, Alberta. Welcome to the Lockdown Clemson Podcast. She says... Hey, Ellis, I discovered the podcast at the beginning of the season, and I rarely miss an episode. That's awesome. Thanks to you. 
Uh, I'm a new fan to the NCAA, not necessarily football. I'm from Joe, Joe's hometown, which is Calgary, Alberta. That's correct. We're all super proud of him. My mailbag question would be just your thoughts on Joe's uh, development this season and what you see for him next season as well. Okay, so this is a really good question. I think what we've seen out of Joe Joe this season is that he's got talent. He's a big kid, strong body, just really raw. I think what Clemson wanted to see is, you know, get him out there, get him baptized. So this kid really is still kind of learning the game of football and specifically learning it within Clemson's scheme. So I think in the future... He's going to be a really good receiver for Clemson. He's got a big body, uh, 6'3", 6'4", almost 220. He, he'll probably get more muscle going forward in the future. Once he gets the route running done, uh, once he starts getting on the jugs machine to make sure his hands are where they need to be, I think this guy is going to really be a contributor for Clemson. I think he's probably going to move uh, solely to that nine-man spot. Of course, you want to always cross-train all these guys. Depends on what Coach Grisham does. But I think the ability of this kid – uh, is through the roof. You just want to make sure, again, you want to hone through those skills. And I believe they can definitely do it. This is why they got him on the field early this year. You hadn't really seen him much later in the season because, hey, why not? You, you, you know, you don't really need to waste anything. Although you get an extra year this year for eligibility due to COVID. So I, I think this is like a free year for the kid. He's going to get extra time in the weight room. He's going to get extra time with the rest of the receivers in that room teaching him the ins and outs of what we want. We want to see his release get better. We want to see his technique on his influence. Uh, we want to see his hands get stronger too because he's going to be uh, man-pressed a lot because he's a big receiver. They're going to not take a lot of space on this guy. They want to jam him at the line of scrimmage. We want to see how strong he is off of the ball. So I think he's going to be a great receiver for Clemson in the future. Can't wait to see uh, what he can do. I think he's going to go into that lineup pretty well, especially when you have Justin Ross hopefully coming back. You're going to probably have uh, Joe Ngata full, full strength next season. You're going to have Frank Ladson, and you're going to have the Collins boys. Uh, you're going to have uh, Stilato. Uh, you, you have a lot of receivers to work with in this system. you still got Spectre. This receiving core for Clemson could be one of the top-notch receiving cores in the future yet again. Can't wait to do it. Great question, Corey. And again, uh, congrats to you for coming to us from Calgary, Alberta. That's awesome. All right, I got one more question in this segment. It comes from Ramey H. Fulmer. That's at Fulmer underscore H over on Twitter. Thanks for reaching out, my friend. Says, wouldn't you say that the wide receivers that we have stepped up this year from injuries? I also feel like if we had one healthy Mike Williams type player, catch radius, 50-50 ball type body, we could have what we missed the deep ball wise this year. Seems like we missed that body type. Uh, there's some truth to that and there's some... Uh, over glazing in that. And we'll talk about this too. Let's talk about the truth in it. You, you don't have your top three receivers. We all know this. It's no secret. You're missing a guy like Justin Ross, who is a game changer receiver. No one denies that. Everyone knows that if Justin Ross is on the field, now you have a ton of problems to worry about. Even if he was just there and you didn't have Joseph Ngata and Frank Latson on the field, like you don't have now. However, when he goes down, you're also missing Joseph Ngata, another big body, uh, probably not as fast as Ross or Rogers, but he has a big body. He can make downfield catches. Uh, he can jump and catch those 50-50 balls. He just has not been healthy this season. That hurts. Frank Ladson is the fastest receiver that we have. He's had injury problems and a little bit of the mental technique issues with catching the ball this season. I, I fully believe that that's just a, hey, you're in your sophomore year. We want to figure out what's going on. You know, you got the jitters. You're the next guy up. Remember, Justin Ross goes down, then it's, hey, everything shifts up. You've got uh, Amari Rogers, who's always going to be a staple of this offense. But 
you know, the next guy in line was supposed to be Joseph Ngata. Well, he gets hurt. Now Frank Lassen's there. I just don't think he was ready to be the man yet. In the future, like I said, same with Ajoa Joe. If they get that uh, technique down, if they focus on the little things, I think these receivers can be elite. We are waiting to see that, and I definitely think it can happen. Let's talk a little bit about what I think might be overblown. I think the deep ball thing is not necessarily an issue. You've seen a guy like Cornell Powell really turn on. I mean, he had two games, three games actually, he had 100 plus yards receiving because of the fact that he was catching 65, 55, 75, 85 yard uh, catches. So it's not that we don't have that deep threat. We have the same thing with Amari Rogers. He just beats people differently. He's not going to be your 50-50 guy. He's only about 5'10", but he's going to outrun most cornerbacks that try to man press him. Or if he gets lost in zone coverage, it's good night. While I do miss having those Justin Ross, Joe and Gata type bodies that can really go up that 6'4", 220 pound body type. It's also overblown because I feel like Clemson's starting to get that in different places. Now you're starting to get Travis Etienne. This whole season has been a threat in the passing game. You've had a guy like Braden Galloway and Davis Allen. Those guys have turned into blossoming players that have really opened this offense. Again, I always talk about, I think it's more important to have the tight ends playing well than it is to have uh, your receivers playing well at times because they're they're just extra options. Now that's more to stress the defense. And again, when you can get Trevor Lawrence's legs plus Travis Etienne's legs and catching the ball, makes this offense really hard. No matter who's calling the plays, and we'll I just teased to something. We'll talk about this in the next segment coming up in just a few minutes. But before I do that, let me tell you about my friends over at BetOnline.ag. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big games this weekend. We're talking about run right now. The Clemson Tigers are going to be going against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some lines change just because we're going to have some change in the offensive play calling uh, hierarchy. Who knows? The NFL regular season is going to be finishing up soon with the playoff picture becoming clearer. And there's only one place that has you covered with that and only one place that we trust. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Seriously, get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We've got some big games coming up this weekend, and betting on the Clemson Tigers doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. We're all in here at Locked On Clemson. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to start to talk about my final thoughts on the Ohio State-Clemson matchup in the Sugar Bowl. I'm super excited about it. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, I know a lot of Clemson fans are starting to get nervous now. There's some news that broke yesterday uh, that we'll talk about right now in this episode. And I'll get you covered for the game, just give you my thoughts on this um, going forward. Uh, Thanks for sticking with me. So, again, I've been going back and forth with Ohio State fans, back and forth, just having tussles on the Internet. They just don't want to hear anything other than, hey, Ohio State's going to win or, you know, it's going to be a really close game just like last year or whatever. They don't want to hear anything like that. But I'm just here to be able to give you the truth. If you're an Ohio State fan somehow listening to this episode, 
I'm not telling you anything that I haven't seen with my own eyes or anyone else in the country hasn't seen with their own eyes. I talked about this a little with my good friend Jay Stevens, the host of the Locked On Buckeye podcast yesterday, as well as Ben Stevens, the host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. I said, basically, I feel like Clemson is peaking right now. I feel like Ohio State is more of a flat line. They've been consistent and steady. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good or bad. I think it's just neutral right now, whereas Clemson is coming in red hot. What we've seen out of this Clemson team for the last few weeks shows us that they're on a rise again. I think they were at the highest peak so far of the season at Georgia Tech. Everybody thought, oh my gosh, Clemson could score 300 points. Then they go to Syracuse, have Syracuse come down to Death Valley, and it's a little bit of a weird game. You still win that by 26. The next game was Boston College. That's when you hit that low because Trevor Lawrence, hey, he can't play. Tyler Davis is injured. He can't play. Jamie Skalski has been injured. He can't play. Mike Jones can't play. Yada, yada, yada. It keeps going on and on. But DJ Uyunglele comes in and plays well. It goes down to the wire, but Clemson ends up really making a statement in that game, finishing out strong. You go up to South Bend, Indiana in November without those players again. You're starting a true freshman quarterback again. There are some differences between DJ Uyunglele at the helm of this offense and Trevor Lawrence. There are certain things that Trevor can do. He can veto plays. He can call plays on his own if he sees an adjustment that he doesn't like or he does like. Um, He also can hold defenses a little bit longer with his running ability. Trevor Lawrence can run. Funny enough, Ohio State found out, pretty much the world found out, that Trevor Lawrence is a dual-threat quarterback against Ohio State last season on that big, long run for a touchdown that really sparked Clemson to get this game back last season. Now, I think that from that moment, when Clemson had the opportunity to play Florida State, that was canceled. You go into, you know, you go into Pitt angry. They blew Pitt out, right? You go into Virginia Tech, weird game, right? You still win that game by comfortable margin, and you show everybody, hey, we're, we're going to start to run better now. We're still really, really good at running. You do that with a couple of your players out as well. Jamie Skalski played pretty much the only the first series and was held for the ACC championship game. What I saw out of this Clemson team in the ACC championship game, and I know that everybody goes, oh, it was Notre Dame. That team that played on that Saturday could beat anybody in the playoffs right now. If we see that version of Clemson or better come out this Friday, tomorrow, there's no doubt that Clemson wins this game. I have no problems saying I think Clemson will win this game pretty comfortably if that team comes out. Now, let's talk about some things that I think Clemson's going to have to do to win this game. I think offensively, you're going to have to attack that secondary. That's obvious thing that they are really, really bad at at Ohio State. The secondary has been very suspect uh, and it's crazy because a lot of them have really high draft talent type guys. You look at it seven. Uh, he's really good cornerback. You're looking at Sean Wade, who is supposed to be, you know, one of these big time players. He made that big deal when he opted back in to say, oh, uh, I'm back, sunshine. We obviously know that that was a reference to Trevor Lawrence. He's ready to go. He's been geared up since that game. Remember, he was the guy that got ejected for the targeting on Trevor Lawrence, and that really turned the game around. So I think he wants to redeem himself for this one. I think Clemson has to attack them early and often in the passing game. I also think Clemson has to be balanced in the run game. You have to be able to do some different things that you don't normally do. 
Go back to bucket draws. Go back to delayed handoffs. Go back to split flow zone running inside and outside. I think if they get that going, uh, they'll really be healthy and, and going crazy in that one. You need to get some misdirection going. I want to see more motion plays, pre-snap motion. I want to see Amari Rogers or Brandon Spector, those guys flying behind the quarterback. I want to see that happening because that's going to help set up what Trevor sees with his eyes. That's going to move some of their defensive players out if they're crowding the line of scrimmage. They have to be accounting for that. Also, Trevor Lawrence with his legs. That's a no-brainer. Again, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He makes the offense run. I think when Trevor Lawrence can run the ball, that's going to help Travis Etienne get open lanes. And when Travis Etienne gets an open lane, that's a house call. Get ready for it. Touchdown. Blow the whistle, right? Uh, If Clemson can get those things going offensively, I really think that uh, they are going to pretty much score on – if not every drive, every other drive. I think I've seen enough out of this Ohio State defense that to know that they're really good. They are. Overall defense is good. Certain areas is not. Again, that secondary is very bad. Um, I don't. I don't have any problem saying that. Um, you look to Michael Penix and the Indiana Hoosiers. Almost 500 yards passing for a quarterback that's really comped to a guy like Kellen Mond, who a lot of people don't think is an elite quarterback. Michael Penix is really good. Don't get me wrong. Is he Trevor Lawrence? Not even close. Not even the same atmosphere. Not even the same stratosphere. Not even the same universe. Uh, but this guy was able to get it done. And I don't want to hear anything about early in the season or players missing. Sure, everybody has had players missing. That's not an excuse for any individual team playing college football this season. What I want to see, though, is Clemson be balanced in those attacks in the passing game. I want to, I want to see them taking shots down the field. I want to see them taking shots across the middle. I want to see them getting the ball to the tight ends in middle open zones. I want to see Travis Etienne catching balls in the flats or on bang eights. So that's something that they've done a lot with him and also wheel routes. If they can get those things, get him on the outside with a guy like Baron Browning or Taraja Mitchell, or even if you got, uh, you know, bringing out Pete Werner, he's not enough. He's not fast enough to keep up with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne both he has to pick with between one of the two if they can get that going I think Clemson wins this game comfortably offensively now let's talk about the defensive side of the ball Clemson has to attack them in the middle of the defensive line they have to really make sure that Brian Brzee and Tyler Davis get enough sleep in this game and whoever comes in behind them whatever rotation of Niles Pinckney and Jordan Williams and Rook Those guys get enough sleep and eat their Wheaties because you're wanting to blow up this offensive line. They have been really bad when it comes to defensive pressure packages. When teams turn up the heat, they're kind of like Notre Dame in that sense where, uh, you know, this alarm goes off and the quarterback just starts running around because he doesn't exactly know what's going on. If you've got tight coverage in the back, he's going to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Justin Fields has thrown a couple interceptions this season because of that situation. That kind of started against Clemson last season. He did some of those similar things, started running around a little bit. You saw an interception from Isaiah Simmons and Nolan Turner at the end of the game because he's holding on to the ball too long. He doesn't know where to go. He also has a bad problem of telegraphing things just because he's a guy that's so immensely talented that he thinks he can get there no problem, no matter what's happening. If Clemson can get him in that situation and clamp down in the secondary, I'm looking to this secondary to really have a great game. I think Clemson can hold them to three points, uh, you know, here and there. Uh, I don't think Clemson shuts out Ohio State. By no means do I think Ohio State is completely shut out in this game like 2016. Do I think that they're going to score 35, 45, 55 points? 
no chance. There is zero chance that they do that against this hungry Clemson defense unless we have a complete collapse of all of our players. They're all playing terribly or they all get injured. I just don't see it happening this season. I feel like Clemson is way too good defensively right now with the 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 mojo, what I've seen, the, the confidence and the swagger of this defense, again, when you have a guy like Tyler Davis, uh, Mike Jones, and specifically having a guy like Jamie Skalski in that middle, that really helps out. The only thing I'm eh, a little bit about is who replaces Nolan Turner in the first half. I got to think they're going to go after that kid early and often. I'm thinking it's going to be Charleston. If Charleston gets out there, they're going to throw the ball to his area, which means to me, I don't want to run zone against this team early on. I don't. I don't want to have anybody having the wrong assignments or blown assignments being in the wrong spot against Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. I don't want to see that. I would rather see them being manned up on the outsides. You're probably going to have a guy like Chris Olave with Darian Kendrick in a boundary against uh, either Sheridan Jones or Andrew Booth against Garrett Wilson in the field. Uh, in the secondary, you're probably going to have a guy like Mike Jones tag teaming with Landon Zanders on maybe Ruckert or Luke Farrell, uh, the tight ends. And then on the other side, you're probably going to have a guy like Charleston just helping out considerably with the running backs. They don't really throw the run- ball to the running backs a lot in this game. Uh I don't understand why they don't. Trey Sermon is one of the best pass receiving running backs in college football. He just hasn't been used that way at Ohio State. Really, no one has been catching the ball outside of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So Clemson can clamp down on them. It's going to force them to use players that they're not used to, as well as getting Justin Fields out of the pocket and protected. I think Clemson's got this one down. We're going to talk more about this later on. Again, there's some more news I want to talk about. I want to leave that for the end because I have a lot of thoughts on that Um, coming up just a minute. Uh, Stick around. We're here Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, final segment of Locked On Clemson here, and we're just going to get right into it. Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator for the Clemson Tigers, did not make the trip down to New Orleans. He has been placed in COVID protocol. As you know, this means he will not be calling plays for the Tigers in the Sugar Bowl. I know a lot of Clemson fans are pulling their hair out right now, wondering what's going to happen. I've heard a lot of things saying, I don't know what's going to happen now. We might lose this one. There's no positive in this. Yada, yada, yada. I'm going to get you through some of that nervousness because I think there is one word that personifies this situation, and that is preparation. Dabo gets off the plane down in New Orleans, and he's immediately greeted by Tom Rinaldi and ESPN asking about the situation. What's going to happen? What is the hierarchy of play calling right now, the offensive staff? And let's go ahead and get into it. Dabo Swinney announced that Brandon Streeter, passing game coordinator, quarterback coach, has now been elevated to the play caller for this game. C.J. Spiller is going to be on the field more with the running backs and helping out with the game plan as well. You'll also see some other guys getting involved in it. And I think this is a knockout thing. I think this is awesome. A lot of people are nervous about it, but let me tell you why I'm not. Go back to the word preparation. Dabo has known that this has been a possibility because it's COVID year. Everything can happen. Anybody could be missing this game. Uh, We've seen our star quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, be out for two games this year. Why couldn't Tony Elliott be out, right? So, you know, we've seen this. We know this is a possibility. I guarantee you they probably knew about this before Wednesday. It wasn't just a Wednesday thing. They probably knew, oh, this could be a possibility on Tuesday. Who knows? But 
even further than that, Dabo has always known that this was a possibility. Hey, Tony could have accepted a job somewhere. He's been a Broyles Award assistant guy for years. He's actually won it. Um, you know, every single job that opens up, he's been linked to it. Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator at Clemson, could be the next head coach. Uh, he's known that this is a possibility, and we all need to get used to the fact that it will happen one day. It will happen. Both Brent Venables, both Tony Elliott, and maybe even Dabo himself will no longer be the coach at Clemson at some point in history. I don't know when that's going to be. Hopefully, it's going to be the next 30 years, and we're still winning championships, but it's still a possibility. He's always known that Brent Venables and Tony Elliott could leave, which is why I believe he has people on staff training, preparing for that spot. Let's talk about Tyler Grisham, brought up from a, being a GA, a former receiver at Clemson, just like Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott was, was kind of learning under Jeff Scott while he was the wide receiver coach and the co-offensive coordinator. Well, when Jeff Scott left for the USF job, Tyler Grisham was elevated to the wide receiver coach. And to be honest, he's done a heck of a job this season. These guys are really doing well considering we have the top three receivers out this season. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty big deal. Kudos to him. But it's because of the preparation that he had being on staff before working under a guy like Jeff Scott. Let's move along to Brandon Streeter. Brandon Streeter was brought in in 2014, and he immediately helped out a guy like Cole Stout. He made Cole Stout look like Peyton Manning against the Oklahoma Sooners in that game, the Russell Athletic Bowl. It, it, it was like a night and day shift from what happened before him and after him. It's because he had been there, and he already knows. He had a good report. I think Brandon Streeter was a great addition to the team. Of course, he had been in you know the Division II and FCS spot uh, coaching. So, you know, he brings some expertise to it. Now, when Jeff Scott leaves, of course, he's always been the quarterback coach. Now you're being elevated to the passing game coordinator. And the reason why I think this is important as a passing game coordinator, not so much as a quarterback coach, you're, you're working more with the ins and outs, the small things, the tendencies the Hey, what are you seeing here with this coverage type thing, your footwork, that kind of stuff. As a passing game coordinator, he's directly involved with the game plan. So he knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what they like, and where they like it. The rapport that Brandon Streeter has with Trevor Lawrence on the field cannot be understated. This guy knows everything about Trevor Lawrence. He's been coaching him not just for the three, last three years. I mean, he's been seeing this kid every day for the last three years. He knows what Trevor likes on the field. He knows what he doesn't like. He knows what things kind of confuse Trevor Lawrence from a coverage standpoint. He knows what Trevor Lawrence can actually easy, easily defeat and uh, you know figure out on his own on the field. This is why Trevor Lawrence has the ability to change plays based off of what he's seeing pre-snap. That's going to go a long way. I talk about this all the time too. Coaches always script the first few plays or sometimes the first few drives. They want to see what teams are going to do, how they're coming out, how they're adjusting to it, and then what adjustments you can make to your game plan. Installs are usually on Monday, sometimes Sunday, depending on the coach, if he's anal or not. But they're really going to get out there and work together. Now, this is why I think it's important. Brandon Streeter has been a part of the game plan the whole time. When Tony Elliott's not there, the script is still there. The game plan is still there. Whatever they were going to do is still there. There was zero chance this offense comes out and does something completely out of character just because Tony Elliott's not there. It, that's not what, the way it works. You're still going to follow that, hey, this is the Clemson way of what we do. Now, 
On the other side of it, you can look at it as a plus. Maybe Ryan Day on the other side, Coach Kerry Coombs, who's the defensive coordinator, might not know exactly how to attack because he might be getting into his head like a lot of Clemson fans are and saying, oh gosh, Tony's not there. We had a game plan for what he likes to do and his tendencies. What about this new guy? He might come out and take a deep shot in the first play. What do I do? Those are the kind of things that I think gives Clemson a little bit of an advantage, advantage, as well as being a team that I think is trending upwards on all phases of football, not only just special teams, but also offense and defense. So if we can get these guys playing confident, I don't think it matters who's calling plays. Uh, I think we're still going to come away with the win. Uh, again, I have my full faith in Brandon Streeter. This might be his debut uh, spot for maybe getting the co-coordinator job in the future with Tony if Tony doesn't leave, or maybe just getting the job for uh, offensive coordinator. Who, who knows? It, it could be his after this. That's kind of what happened with a guy like Tommy Reese last year. They had quarterback, uh, offensive coordinator uh, leave, Chip Lindsey leave for another school. Tommy Reese had his debut in a game, and then, hey, now he's the offensive coordinator. People like him up there. Maybe Brandon Streeter does that for us. You could bring other people up. J.P. Lozman now, who's been on the staff forever, who played quarterback in college at Tulane, played some pro ball. He could potentially go up and be the quarterback coach now. Dabo has always been this way. He has plans for everything, and this is why this team has been so successful. It's the same way with Brent Venables on the other side. I guarantee you, if Brent Venables does not coach, yes, it's going to look a little bit different than what happens offensively. I think Brent Venables is a man in his own brain. But I think learning under him, you're going to have a guy like Lemansky Hall, Todd Bates, who could probably be ready to get this job as soon as Brent Venables leaves. Uh, you could have Mickey Kahn have it, Mike Reed. There's so many guys that could really do it. I don't think it's a big deal. Clemson will be prepared. And in that situation, I'm going to go ahead and say my prediction now. I'm going to talk about how I think it's going to work and then what the game score will be. So I think Clemson is going to come out aggressive early. I think Ohio State is going to come out conservative early. I think because of that, Clemson is going to get on the board much earlier. It's going to put Ohio State in a little bit of a hole, and people might think, oh, gosh, this is a blowout. I think Ohio State is going to control the tempo of the game, the pace of the game, get back into it. But I think ultimately Clemson has too much for this team and is coming into this ultimately confident. I talked about Dabo getting off the plane, talking about, oh, his coordinator's not there. He's smiling the whole time. He's laughing, having fun. You didn't see him go, oh, I don't know, we'll see. He was confident. No matter who's calling the plays, Clemson's going to get this W. I got Clemson winning this game 38-24. I think they're going to go home pretty comfortable and get ready for this national championship against whoever. Uh, It doesn't matter. Line them up. We're too deep. And with that said, we're at the end of the show. Thank you for sticking around. Happy New Year. I'm not going to see you until next year. Uh, This is going to be awesome. So get around. Again, I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Follow me on Twitter at Ellis Tolbert, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversation. We'd love to have you. And make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Clemson podcast. You can find that wherever you find your podcast for free. That way you can get the episodes as they drop. Please be sure to rate and review the show for us. Happy New Year, folks, and I'll see you next year after this W. I'll talk to you on Saturday no matter what happens and give you my recap of the game. And as always... Go Tigers!